Amen, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, platform musicians. Amen. Again, how many is ready to hear from God? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Again, I thank you. A privilege uh, to be able to minister to you through uh, this sacred desk. Again, pray for our pastor, uh, Miss Mona, as they're traveling. Uh, they're doing a revival there in uh, Kansas for Pastor Gary Mona's good friends of theirs. I uh, talked to him this morning and said everything's going well. Uh, so pray that souls get saved and that, that church will be stirred there. Can you say amen? If you have your Bibles, can you please turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, 11 through 15. The book of Proverbs, chapter 30, 11 through 15. You dare say amen. And praise God. Amen. Feel awesome, President God. I believe God's going to help us. Uh, this message is very general, very uh, uh, stirring. As God began to put it in my spirit, I really felt uh, that it was a, uh, a time of essence for this message and that God would minister to his people uh, this morning. Again, Proverbs 30, 11 through 15. I was recently looking at a study on the different, uh, different generations of our time. And in this study, it talked about uh, the different economical values of each generation. Uh, it talked about Millennials being the most populated generation of the day, as well as millennials uh, being the largest generation of employees in the workforce uh, and the largest generation of consumers. And I got revelation, ah, that's the problem. That millennials rule the world. It also talked about the difference in values and beliefs uh, and, and, and opinions from from each generation to generation. But as I'm reading and I'm thinking about a generation of people, as I'm reading, as I'm thinking about how these generations are all different in many ways, whether it was the different times that people were actually born, whether it was the different genres of music and so on and so on, the different trends. How I many of you begin to think about generations because there was a different time and space. Many things are different. Things that we have now, they didn't have then and vice versa. But what I did notice is one thing that all generations have in common. Despite the differences, despite, again, different music, whatever. One thing that I noticed that all generations had in common, and that was that one thing was a need. And that need of the generations that I believe all had in common is the need to be redeemed. The need to be redeemed. A generation, how many of this generation is desperate uh, in need of redemption? Can you say amen? I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Redeeming a Generation. Because as you begin to look, church, as time uh, has passed throughout the decades, uh, again, I'm uh, mentioning uh, there's many different things about each generation, uh, but the one common denominator uh, that every generation needs uh, is Jesus. Can you say amen? A redeemer of the generations. You see, no matter who you are this morning, in this place, where you were born, uh, whatever category, uh, listen, we are all in need of a redeemer. 
Proverbs 30, 11 through 15. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. I need you to listen to this. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lawfully are, the eye, are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation whose teeth are like swords and, and whose fangs are like knives uh, to devour the poor from the earth um, and the needy from among men. Uh, the leech has two daughters. Give and give. These are the things that are never satisfied for never say enough. Let us pray, church. Oh, Heavenly Father, I ask God right now, God. Oh, as we sit here, God, in your presence this morning, God. God, I pray, God, that you will help us, God. Oh, God, that we will seek your face in these last days, that we will seek your face uh, in the generation that we're in uh, of your people, God. Um, God, I pray, God, that you will make known to them, God, uh, God, your presence, God, uh, the personal relationship uh, that you desire to have with the people of this generation. Uh, I pray right now, God, uh, right now you will come in the midst of this church. Uh, uh, God, you will help us uh, in this area. In your mighty name of Jesus Christ. Uh, and all God's people said, Amen. How many know this generation needs to be redeemed? Amen. You know, when defining a generation, one consider, could consider a, a family lineage, such as a child and his mother and her mother, which would be the child's grandmother and great-grandmother. How many know for that child, that would be fourth generation? A generation is described as a group of people of a certain time that have certain characteristics in common. A generation can be defined by people that exhibit similar characteristics, preferences, and values over their lifetime. You know, often society defines generation, um, you know, as, again, as a group of people that, you know, uh, was birthed around the same, same time and same place in the 20th century, generations became defined uh, by alphabet. You know them as Generation Z, Generation X. How many are familiar with those terminologies? You know, currently we have five generations that make up our society. I'm going to go through them real quick. The first and the oldest is called the traditionalist or the silent generation. This generation was born uh, from between uh, 1945 and before. Most of this generation was born during the time of, of the great, called the Great Depression. How many heard of that? Where America was at an all-time low economically, all, all different type of things. It was a tough time in the early part of the 19th century. Then there's the baby boomers. Generation born between 1946 and 1964. Most of our parents are probably uh, our baby boomers in this place. World War II vets. This is the hippie age. This is the time that, uh, you know, we became very strong and economical as a military power. As this, this new country is beginning to progress. This Generation X, born 1965, 1976. This was the time of strongest uh, for uh, racial equality and all the very different things, you know, uh, free-spirited. Do what you want. Do what you do best, a.k.a. the birth of liberals. Let's live free. Don't tell me what to do. Let's throw that out there. Generation X. 
Then there's the millennials. Ah, that's us. Born in 1977 through 1995. This is the birth of many of us in here. And again, need I say more? Then there's Generation Z. Born from 1996, 2015. God help them. <laughs> oh, they need a whole bunch of letters. They need Z, Y, O. Need a whole alphabet. Going somewhere tonight, this morning. This is the time frame, again, you know, of many of our children. In this generation, everything that they're facing, everything that they deal with. But, you know, again... You begin to think about generation, and I, again, I talked about they all have something in common. Uh, we all need a, re a redeemer. And one of the main reasons, uh, if not the main reason, uh, why all these generations, whether it's baby boomers, uh, whether it's the silent generation, uh, the common denominator that all these generations have is a three-letter word called sin. This, no matter what generation... How many know uh, this uh, is in the uh, human nature? You see, this is indeed the common denominator of every generation, no matter, again, uh, where you were born uh, or who you were born to. No matter what the trend was of that time, uh, every generation, uh, as long as there are people born, uh, this is the common denominator to mankind right here. And I want to look at every generation is affected. Because how many know when it comes to sin, uh, every generation is affected by this disease? You know, speaking of sin, how many of you know ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, sin has always been trending? You want to talk about something trending? It's always been trending. This is why we have a sinful nature. And because of this, this is why we see the wickedness of generation. Verse 11 gives us insight Argue who, who's the author of this uh, particular uh, uh, chapter begins to go in detail about the wickedness of this generation uh, and to my point of it needing a redeemer. Verse 11 it says, there's a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Now, I know that's not this generation. See, there's a generation that curses its father, uh, the generation that, dis, that disobeys God's command to honor the father and mother. How many know that commandment is still in play? Amen. All the parents said, amen, two times. Don't be scared of them. They ain't in here this morning. You ain't got to be scared of them now. They're in children's church. So I preach this Sunday night. Y'all be like, oh, so be, don't be scared of your kids. Huh. Don't be scared of me. But we live in a generation, right? That where it says, you know, they're not honoring the mother. In other words, they're not listening to mom and dad no more. This is the wickedness uh, of our generation. You see, generation of children that are disobedient to their parents. Uh, how many know this sows the seeds of conflict uh, that will grow into a bitterness, bitter harvest uh, of personal and community strife as they grow older? In other words, this is why we have a society of people that can't receive instructions from those that are in authority. Because they never showed it to their mother and father. Amen. How, you know, we, it's a generation of kids uh, that are not uh, effective on the workplace. Uh, they, they don't do well with authority. 
Don't tell me what to do. You ain't my mama, daddy. I'd be like, you ain't listen to them neither. <laughs> what do you mean? Don't listen to your, you don't listen to them. You don't listen to them. I know you're not going to listen to me. That's our generation. This is why their people skills are off. You can't communicate with people. You're in and out of trouble, and the list goes on. This is the wicked generation that this scripture is talking about. To this generation, all these generations have become more and more resistant to parent authority. I mean, no, that's wicked. That is wicked. Verse 12, there's a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. See, this is the generation that has uh, 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 been blinded to their own sinful and need and unwilling to wash from its filthiness. This is the generation that we're, that we're in of people. This is the generation that ignores or covers up their sin and, and never gets it resolved. This is the generation that lives in blatant sin and at the same time declare that they're still good. How many meet people like that? There's a generation that refuses to acknowledge they're wrong. See, anyone uh, here uh, or, or wherever who thinks he is uh, pure apart from God's divine cleansing conceals an unsuspected death of de depravity. How many believe that? See, Jesus condemned the self-righteous Pharisees of murder and of belonging to this, this same generation. The Pharisees would observe all the outer rituals but pay no attention to the inner cleansing. This is the world we live in today. That they can do certain different things, uh, you know, on the outside, uh, but don't want to take no responsibility uh, for internal cleansing. This is who we, uh, our generation have become. Isaiah 1.16 says, wash and make yourself clean. Uh, take your evil deed out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. How many know this is the message to this, these generations? Stop doing wrong. In other words, uh, uh, you know, stop covering up. Make acknowledgement to our wrongness uh, before God. How I many of us, all of us? That's why we're repentant, uh, and that's why we're here and serving God today, because that was you and I, a generation of self-righteousness who don't want to be cleansed uh, from their filthiness. Verse 13, he goes on uh, there's a generation, oh, how lawfully are their eyes uh, and their eyelids are lifted up. This is the generation that walks in pride and arrogance. Come on, somebody. These are those that are proud and, and their advances that themselves have made, perhaps, that despite all other in comparison to themselves. See, there's a, again, you know, we live in a, prideful generation again as I spoke earlier about children uh, or whoever in, in this particular generation doesn't matter child or adult uh, we don't want to be told what to do we don't want to be any authority uh, we know what's best pride and arrogance is on an all-time high among all generations that's why one reason why I believe in Matthew 7 it says why is the road that leads to destruction and many will find it we get to that a little bit later there's a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among them. This is a generation, again, um, who's filled with extreme greed. Again, I'm, I'm going, so I'm breaking down just the characteristics of the wicked generation that needs to be redeemed. 
for these very reasons that the author is pointing out. Uh, we're in a, a greed society. Everything is about how much I can get, uh, how much I can get, uh, how much of this. Uh, but you know your spiritual savings account is on empty. You have nothing invested in the eternal. But everything, listen, I'm not against saving money. I'm, I'm not against having things uh, or whatever. But how many know when it gets to the point of greed, uh, this is the problem. It's a many problem with the generation. That we're keeping so much here that we cannot obtain in the afterlife. You know, you know, you notice why, you know, there's pyramids that you and I can get a trip to Egypt right now and go look. And Mr. Pharaoh thought he was going to take all those things that you and I are taking trips today in the afterlife. Well, how did that work out for him? <laughs> They're there. He got to wherever he got. He was like, oops, I can't bring none of this stuff here. <laughs> Man, what's, what happened to my gold, bro? That burned with fiery. Something else was burning with fiery. See, this generation, it says, verse 15, the leech has two daughters. Give, give, give. This generation uh, that we're living in of greed and wickedness, uh, how many know it's never satisfied? 50 cents. He makes a, he makes a cut. This guy, you know, a multi-million dollar uh, uh, millionaire makes this comment. Uh, he says, I still feel broke even though I got bread. Think about that. In other words, uh, he's, ne- he's, he's making a point. Of, Listen, I'm not content. Greed, greed, greed. Give me more, more, more. I still feel broke even though I got money. This is the generation. And see, because of this wickedness of generation, how many know uh, the, the sin, how many know sin has an appetite? Sin has an appetite that it loves uh, to fulfill. You see, all generations are wicked, wicked because sin uh, has the same appetite, just different appetizers. Again, we're talking about different generations, baby boomers, uh, you know, uh, millennials, whatever the case. Uh, m- more people probably did certain different things then and there. But, hey, still the same appetite. Again, generations have different things about them, different music, uh, different eras they grew up in. But how many know the appetite of sin remains the same no matter what the generation is? See, each generation is made up of people that are flawed. Can you say Amen. Romans 5, 12, therefore, just as though one man's sin entered into the world and death through sin, uh, and so death spread to all men. So listen, this is all generations before they start coming up with baby boomers. Uh, whatever the generation was uh, 2,000 years ago, sin remained. Each generation is flawed. How many know each generation is in a state of confusion? Can you say amen? 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those uh, who are perishing. For the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers uh, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. Listen, uh, don't be alone when you go on outreach. Come on, somebody. And you start talking to people, and they don't have a clue what you're talking about. This scripture right here says, uh, you know, uh, the God of this age has blinded. This is why uh, when you begin to challenge people on outreach, you begin to evangelize uh, and you're talking to them about your testimony, how you've given your life to Jesus Christ, uh, and you begin to challenge them and nudge them a little bit. Uh, and some of the stuff you're saying to them is like you're speaking Chinese. Why? Because they have their more own moral scorecard. 
They have their own moral scorecard of what's right and what's wrong. According to the book, they say you just read every day. We're in a state of confusion. How many know each generation is in rebellion towards God? Come on, somebody. He's there again, there's many generations different and all type of things, but sin has the same appetite. No matter the generation, no matter the time, everyone, they're doing the same thing, liking the same thing. How many know there's people from Generation X that are doing drugs as well as people from Generation Z? Right? You got people that was born in 1960 still smoking dope. People that was born in 2000 still smoking dope. Different eras, same sin. There are people from Generation Y that is having a sex outside of marriage just like uh, people in Generation Z. Come on. Heck, in some cases, you got people from Generation X having sex with folks from Generation Z. I know that's a real problem. Where I'm from, they call, we call them R. Kelly's. Right? Let me help break that down for some of y'all. That's something that went over some of y'all head. So, <laughs> so, if you're from the silent generation, according to this, that means you were born somewhere between 1928 and 1945. Let me make it more realistic. Generation X. They born 19, what, 50, 60. That's like them having relationships with gen Generation Z. Millennials, how many know that's happening? That's happening. Different eras still, hey, the same things are still happening, church. Speaking of R. Kelly, that's why he got Aaliyah saying age ain't number to number. Y'all remember that? <laughs> Y'all been saved a long time. Okay, I got it. You know that song. She said age ain't nothing but a number. What she was saying, I don't care nothing about no age. I, I don't care the wickedness of this generation. Drugs and rock and roll. How I many know drugs and hip-hop, drugs and R&B, different genres of music? Still the same common denominator. Broken marriages, uh, separated families that exist in Generation Z, uh, just like they exist in Generation Alpha. Each generation has their own fad. Even, again, homosexuality, they've taken the rainbow as they symbol. And you wonder why 17% of Gen Z is gay. 17% of Generation Z is gay. See, listen, the author of this proverb knew very well what he was talking about because it was evil in that day, uh, and how many know even much more now? I always like to tell people the next day is the most evil day that ever exists because that's the next day that's closer to Jesus. Tomorrow is going to be the most evil day on the face of the earth. Why? Because it's another day closer to God coming back. The spirit of lawlessness will abound, the Bible says. How I many know there was times, and listen, wrong is wrong, uh, but even with homosexuality, certain different things, uh, 60, 70 years ago, if that was you, that was just who you are, it wasn't just flaunted out. And now, they're asking people in the schools, you know, are you straight or gay? That's the question. Are you straight or bi? If I was in school, I'd be like, bi. Like, 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 bi. I ain't talking to you. 
That, that's, what, that's what I am. Bye. Well, I wish I was in school sometime, boy. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> I want to look at the fruit of an undeemed generation. The fruit of an undeemed. See, with all this being said, church, it, it, this produced uh, some rotten fruit in our society. Because of the wickedness of the generations we're living in. You see, the fruit of an unrepented and unredeemed generation has a curse that's attached to mankind and as a result of sin. You know, one of those rotten fruits that I believe is produced by this unredeemed generation is that rotten fruit of unbelief. I have not, just in recent memory, just been saved the amount of years. And listen, I've heard it, but it's just like, as I'm, again, witnessing the people, I'm amazed by how many people that don't even believe he exists. I mean, it's one thing for you to, excuse me, be, be a, you know, live in your sin and do what you do, but at least you believe. At least you believe. I, I, I've come so, so many people who don't, but see, this is what I believe is the result of an unrepented, an unredeemed generation. To where we've gotten that far away from God that people don't even believe the concept of God existing. If this isn't an unbelieving generation, I haven't seen one. 7% of the world's population don't even believe in God. The Oxford Handbook of Atheism report that there are 450 to 500 million non-believers worldwide. Including, including both positive and negative, negative uh, atheists, whatever that means, positive and negative, or roughly 7% of the global population. Now, listen, it's, you know, it's bad that those folks don't believe, but then you have those that don't believe in, that, that, that do believe in God, but refuse to even live right. Think about that. That's not even part of that percentage. They actually believe in God, but refuse to live right. See, Matthew 6, 16, 4 says, A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them and departed. See, unbelief is one of the, the rotten fruits of this undeemed, unredeemed generation church. And see, there are many byproducts of, 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 this, of, of this curse of, of people that are unredeemed and unrepented. Proverbs 3, uh, 33 said, the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the, the homes of the, the righteousness. This is why, uh, you know, when you begin to think about the uh, un unredeemed generation, uh, this is where things like poverty are heavy at. Multiple sickness, loneliness, mental issues. You know, there's more autoimmune conditions today than ever before. There's another rotten fruit uh, of this generation that's produced by an unredeemed uh, generation. It's called pride again. Romans 1.22, claiming to be wise, uh, they instead became utter fools. Uh, and instead of worshiping the glories and ever-living God, they worship idols. Romans 1.25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and served uh, the creature rather than the creator. How many of that's going on now? That people are... Worshiping and serving the created things uh, as opposed to the actual creator himself. In other words, uh, you know, it's like appreciating the art, uh, but you're giving no recognition to the author. 
This is the generation. This is the fruit uh, that's produced the pride, uh, the arrogance, uh, where the wise cannot be told anything. Too wide in their own eyes. See, this, is, this, this is where unbelief and things begin to settle in in people's heart, church. This is the generation that we're living in. The fruit of this unredeemed generation has led people to becoming more. How many know another thing, another rotten fruit that's really happened uh, in this uh, uh, unrepentant generation is that has made more people uh, uh, more ungrateful than ever. We live in a very ungrateful generation, especially when you have people that live uh, 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 in what you would call Disney World to the world, America. Listen, despite, and listen, every nation has things going on. But you ask those people in Africa, would they switch places with you today? You ask some of those people in those third world countries, I've been to some of them. I remember going on an impact team to the San Domingo. We was there in 2008. I'm talking about the simplest things uh, that they appreciate. Uh, my wife and some other ladies was giving out candy to grown people. I ain't talking about children. Thank you, thank you, appreciate it. Some of them ain't had that stuff in months. Candy. People walk, we, you know, we, we got two services in our fellowship, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Some of them will walk to church. Some of them didn't even have shoes, uh, and they wouldn't go back home because they didn't want to take a double trip, so they'd stay all day just for the second service. And here we got wheels in America and won't come to church. Every now and then, it's like pulling teeth to get you to come. This is the generation we're in. This is the generation that we're in. The ungratefulness. Children through, to their parents are, are so ungrateful. Come on, somebody. I remember my daddy telling me stories that they, they used to get sticks for Christmas. Yeah, you heard me right. Sticks, like a stick you find out there. Real sticks. And what they would do with these sticks is that that was a man. You know, one big stick, they might skin it off, make the other one look different. That's what you call woohoo. That's, 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 that's growing up right right there. <laughs> Sticks. They were happy. I'm like, Dad. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to process this. You know, I get it. I'm like, Sticks, Daddy? I mean, that stuff you can go get yourself. Yeah, yeah they wrapped up. They skinned it. Did they? Our mind frame, son. I'm like, wow. You give a, a kid today a whole Voltron, they unhappy. He ain't got no batteries. <laughs> I'm knock you out of here. <laughs> Throw my phone. I just spent a hundred dollars on that. Strangle you. And we get all these toys and they break it up on the 26th. Get it on the 25th. Broke on the 26th. Ungrateful, you little you know what. But we love them, don't we? But all that being said, church, let's look at our third point this morning. Because, again, I believe if our generation, despite the wickedness of all these different things mentioned, I believe that this generation need a song of deliverance. Let's look at that this morning, a song of deliverance. See, in the Bible, the word redeem is associated with being saved or delivered from sin. And its consequences. 
And if a generation of people are going to be saved and redeemed, perhaps uh, you are here this morning, uh, then my friend, you're going to have to sing uh, to a different beat of a different tune this uh, morning. And that's the song of deliverance. See, from the beginning to the end, uh, there were always powerful songs of deliverance, even in the Bible. We know Aaron and Miriam uh, out of Egypt uh, sung a song of deliverance uh, when they were set free uh, from the bondage of being there in Egypt. Deborah, she sung a song of deliverance, uh, you know, uh, when they were, uh, uh, were able to win uh, the victory. Revelations 5, 9, there's a song of deliverance. 1 Samuel 16, 23 uh, begins to talk about uh, 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 Saul. Said from there on, when the evil spirit sent by God came on Saul, David would get his harp and play it. Uh, the evil spirit would leave, and Saul would feel better and be all right again. This is the song of deliverance. See, this song of deliverance for you and I is called the song of repentance. Can you say amen? And this is where uh, this generation... Whether it's your generation this uh, uh, morning or, or your parents' generation, how I many know we're always talking to different people of different generations? Uh, and it's the song of deliverance, of repentance, that's going to redeem the generations. That's what it's going to boil down to, church. The power of confession. How I many know brings the generation to repentance? Acts 2.38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. How many know those words are still being uttered today? That this has nothing to do, uh, uh, again, Peter wasn't just speaking to his generation, uh, but many generations to come. H. Robinson said, if you're going to be right with God, then how many know you're going to have to be wrong with men? Let me say that again. If you're going to be right with God, if you're going to be a, a redeemed generation, uh, you're going to have to understand that you've got to be right with God and wrong with man. This is why Paul constantly spoke against, uh, you know, the religious people of that day and their rituals and their philosophy. Again, their moral scorecard uh, of what's right uh, and what's wrong. As God, the word says, uh, let God be true and every man a liar. You're going to be right with God. You've got to be wrong with man. How I many know uh, uh, God's ways and man's ways don't see eye to eye, church? When Peter says that you save yourself by repenting, he's talking about those of the next generation, those of the generations before. See, how many know repenting makes the crooked straight? Come on, somebody. So much of this generation is wrapped up, uh, you know, and, and many times, listen, uh, how many know God wants to use you, the save and the redeem, to do it? He wants to use you and I uh, that are saved, that are redeemed, amen, uh, uh, to, to live out, uh, to, to uh, put out an extended hand uh, to those that are lost. You know, it's funny how much of this generation is wrapped in the second coming of Jesus when most people haven't heard about the first coming. Think about that. We're so wrapped up in the second coming of God uh, and a lot of people haven't even heard about the first coming. 
The words that Jesus preached to mankind uh, of the generations to repent. Uh, how many know that's the first Christ coming? This is what people need to know about. People worried about the second coming. If you aren't saved, you better know about the first coming. You know, start talking to people about the Bible. You know, it's amazing people that are not saved. The first book they want to read in all the Bible is Revelation. I'm like, for what? Why? They're worried about the second coming, but don't know about the one who came first. They don't know about the first coming. They don't know about the Christ amen, that died for their sin that rose again. How many know it means nothing to know about the second coming and you don't know the first? And see, listen, this is where you and I come in at church. That we begin uh, to, to preach the gospel. Because how many know when you get saved in this place, how many know we sing a different song? There's a new song, amen. The redeemed generation has a new song. In the book of Psalms, David expresses this song of deliverance also well as I close. Psalms 32, 1 through 7. Listen to these passionate words uh, of what I'm talking about, the song of, of the redeemed. He says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord uh, does not impute uh, iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, uh, my bones grew old, though my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. David said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven this morning. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man of whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. You see, this is the song of deliverance in which generations of the earth can be forgiven, church. Whose sin can be washed away. Blessed in the gener is the generation whom the Lord does not uh, include, uh, uh, include iniquity on. This is the song of deliverance, church. David was speaking of this new song, this renewed and right relationship with God. How many know this is exactly what the generations of today need, church? See, this song of deliverance personifies a new song in the life of a new believer. The song of deliverance signifies a new way of thinking. Now, how many know when you get saved, uh, when you get redeemed, you think differently? Are you supposed to? So that's a message to the Christians. Act like it. That's for free. Act like you're supposed to think different. A song of deliverance signifies a change of action. Song of deliverance is an acknowledgement of our sins. Church, let us be a generation of people that sing a new song and that preach and teach a new song for those that are not saved. Psalms 43 says he placed a new song in my mouth. Let me ask that question. Do you have a new song in your mouth this morning? A song of deliverance. Because how many know, listen, even when you get saved, how many know uh, uh, Satan is out to Steal your song of joy. Can you say amen? And don't let, allow Satan to steal your melody this, uh, this morning. Because he's sin. How many of sin will rob us of our song? Can you say amen? Verse 3 of the scripture, David said, when I kept silent. David is talking about the time in his life of when he kept silent in his sin. See, this is the place of bondage. And, and see, it is, we had this, the Bible says he kept silent for 10 months. 
in this dark place. Uh, but how many know it's the power of confession of that, that song of deliverance that set you and I free this morning? Psalms 137.4 says, but we cannot sing songs about the Lord while we're still in foreign land. So when we get saved, church, God gives you and I a new song. When you're saved in this place, so you know exactly what I'm talking about for those that's been saved and, and wanting to be saved this morning. See, I'm talking about the fact that, you, again, uh, how many know you've been set free and Satan comes to try to say that you haven't? He ever visited you since you've been saved? He's trying to steal that melody. The joy, your joy of your salvation, the enemy will try to steal that. This is the joy, this is the melody of the song that he is after this morning. Perhaps there's many of you here this morning and Satan has done just that. He's captured your joy. He has bombarded your living space, filled them with difficulties, heartaches, setbacks, and so on and so on. Psalm 51, he says, let me hear the sounds of joy and gladness. And though you have crushed me and broken me, I will be happy once again. See, church, this is even more of a reason on why you and I need deliverance this morning. Can you say amen? That as these, this wicked generation that you and I have to live in, amen, is the redeemed, amen, is those that have been set free, amen, that have that freedom in Christ, amen, I share this story. Richard DeLone was captured by his treacherous enemies in Europe, and he returned from a crusade in the Holy Land. He was thrown into prison, and a colossal ransom was demanded for his redemption. The people of England submitted to heavy taxation and paid will willingly, and many rich nobles contributed large sums that their king might be set free. You know, I'm thinking about that, and interesting enough, we hear the term, the king's ransom is in here. And how many know it was Jesus' blood that was the ransom for his church? Can you say amen? It was the blood that was shed and that had to be shed if all generation that ever lived was going to be redeemed. And see, there was a price that was paid for redemption, church. And how many know it's still paid off for this generation? Can you say amen? Listen, you're here. God's still in the business, amen, of redeeming. But you have to surrender your life. You have to uh, uh, latch on to this new song that I'm talking about and become born again. Redeeming the generation. Can I have every head bow, every eye closed in respect to your neighbor? Redeeming a generation.